0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Professional Awesome's Hypercritical Radio. I am Hayden Lowe, and I'm one of four total hosts for today. I'm joined by... Dem Jazz, Mike Lewin, Dan O'Donnell. And we do have a special guest, so please introduce yourself.
1: My name is Amir Bentatu, and I'm from RS Future. We do a bunch of Time Attack stuff. You're from the future? <laughs> 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 We're trying. Jesus Ryan. Christ! Is the future is the future good or bad? Should I just stop Ooh, now? Just stop now, trust me. It's all downhill. Oh crap. <laughs> um
2: that's that's upsetting.
1: All
3: right. Well, I'm gonna go, guys. Off
2: to the suicide chamber. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there, there you go. Futurama all over again. Anyway. Um yes, so Amir, uh, I think some people know uh R's future. Um obviously you do some time to take stuff, we we know that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about, uh, you know, the company, how long you've been time attacking, those types of things, how long you've been helping uh, competitors run fast, all that? I know
1: you guys are obviously not based on the West Coast, you're kind of Midwest area, but out here we have our own little kind of bubble and pocket of track and time attack stuff that uh, I'm pretty heavily involved in. So I've been running RS Future for about three years. We do a lot of uh, race car and time attack style builds, and then we also have a time attack team that we uh, have been running. For three, four years under this banner, and then I've been competing in time attack since about 2013. Very cool. So, you uh, obviously you're running on the on the West
3: Coast. Um, what kind of what kind of products and uh, what kind of products and services do you guys offer?
1: Yeah, so the big thing that we do is we do aerodynamic components. Most of them are bespoke kits that we kind of make one offs for uh, for a lot of cars, and we're transitioning into making uh, bolt on kits for a lot of the popular applications. So wings, splitters, side splitters, end plates, diffuser tunnels, diffusers, that kind of fun stuff. So we've been ramping up production over the last six months and uh, fine-tuning a lot of our processes of what we do. We tend to push things to extremes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We often test that on our cars or cars that are like test beds. And uh, again, that all sorted out so that that way customers have a solid product. And then in the shop, we uh, run a few cars, so we are unlike most shops where they're trying to turn cars out as fast as they can. We probably have like uh, 10 projects a year, along with the random kind of little in-and-out things that happen occasionally. And then we also do just our aero installs. So we do have a shop, but it's not like your typical kind of bring-it-in-for-coilovers a coil-overs kind of shop. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> what What's wrong with coilovers?
3: What, you, don't like- you basically said, fuck you <laughs> and your oil changes, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't doing no breaks. Get out of here. Goddamn race shop. Tell you what. <laughs> so the uh, um, so you said that this 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 venture this particular venture selling parts and everything is about three years old. Um, obviously, we've seen some of your parts. What um, I've always wondered, personally, you know, are you guys are you guys trying to make those in house, or is that something that you have a, a preferred supplier for? How does that work? Obviously, you're doing the design and everything in house. Uh, are you doing most of that design and then, and then how are those products produced?
1: Correct. So we do a lot of the design in-house and then I will get a lot of the tools made. So CNC'd out of high density foam. If it's a low production item for like a one-off kind of thing, we might do like MDF, CNC'd. And then I have a couple of trusted guys that are out in the Palmdale-Lancaster area, which is a big hub for aerospace. So they work on uh, a lot of like prototyped aircraft or... Uh, there's that one, I forget what it's called, but it's like the biggest plane ever made. One of our guys works for that company and uh, they all have an aerospace background, do amazing work, and they'll do a far better job than I would. So I leave the composite construction to those guys just for bandwidth kind of situation. They have their own shops. It's a pretty messy industry. So luckily, I don't have to do that in-house. We'll make prototypes and one-offs. Like we're making carbon doors and carbon deck lid and hatch for the NSX right now in-house. But uh, other than prototypes and one-offs, we really don't do a whole lot in-house.
3: Yeah, we kind of have the same philosophy. Is that we don't, we don't want to do. You know, you let people do things that they're good at. Don't try to, don't try to be better than them at it. And then, uh, and then, you know, focus on the important things because each person's got an important role. You let that person do that important role, and it seems to work better than you know trying to be in everybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even with like our time attack program and our clients, we do the same thing. Where I have a uh, Riley Stair, who's our fabricator. He has his own shop, but. He will fabricate better than I ever will in my lifetime. So we just send stuff to him, same with like engine builders or anything else. And then the stuff that we are good at, we, we deal with that in-house. And then we will also help like direct a project. So if someone wants an A to Z build, we'll reach out to these guys that are amazing at what they do, let them do their work. We put it all together and make the plan for the client. And Riley, for people that don't know, is that Riley, the one with the Firebird? Correct. The white Trans Am, that's super crazy. It was a hot wheel, all sorts of cool stuff
3: yeah yeah so if you don't know you can go look up riley's car
1: um it, it was at sema and was it at pri as well i can't remember i think so it's been to a ton of stuff but i know sema at the vibrant booth was the big one that it kind of first got its notoriety header header headers right known for its headers <laughs> exactly the ones that piss people off <laughs> upset
3: the internet. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not hard. It upsets me too. It's no, that's okay. Fantastic work. I just don't get it. You know, I don't get half the things that happen. We know this. I'm, I'm so focused on the engineering side of things
1: that I have no idea what's going on half the time. Well, it would probably make you very happy to know that you made a new set that, of headers that are no longer the eight to one and they're far more functional and they made more power and did everything you would want it to. He, that was more of a test of his fabrication capability. So it would be like uh, anyone else that wants to push the limit of what they're good at. He was doing that with that header, which he did a good job of, but switched to something a little bit more conventional on the current setup. And if you guys are at finals, it may be there. And I think he's going to run it like super lap out and a bunch of other stuff. So the cool thing about that car is that despite it being a total art piece, he drives the crap out of it. And right now he just got some like billet uprights and a whole new wiring harness, MoTeC everything kind of situation on that car. So he takes it pretty seriously. That's sweet.
3: That's pretty cool. I mean, that's, you know, I, I respect that. I respect that. You know, like the headers in the first place, I was like, I don't know why you'd spend so much time on this because it's not gonna <laughs> But hey, more power to him. He remade him. going to make power. At least he drives it, right? It's not yeah. just going to sit there. If it sits there, then it makes me upset. Then it's like, what's the point
0: again? Yeah. I, so yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at art. There it is. I, 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 Mike doesn't understand the value that. of the banana tape is. to the wall. Like, let's just do.:
3: real. <laughs> oh, or or in, in the term, like, Indy has at art museum, we went down there and somebody put a string across the room. And, and the little plaque said, how the string divides the room
2: tells you a lot about who you are. And I was like, it was weird. What the? Mike was, was just pushing poor people to one side. It was very odd. <laughs> <laughs> The room the room starts to self-segregate and then you get
3: really afraid, and then I think is the art piece. No. So, no no good. No that's good. Amazing. Take that string out of that room. Yeah, but that's cool. I mean, you know, Riley's a fantastic fabricator, does really good work. So that's cool. So yeah, it's 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 about getting the right team together. And that's that's awesome. That obviously you have that guy on your team, and then you also have um it sounds like you have some good uh composite work done by, you know, quite a few who are, are capable. Um what's I guess of the products, you know, moving forward, what's, what's the plan with that? Are you got new products coming out, those types of
1: things? Yeah, so we're launching our diffuser in the next month or so. So the NSX will be the test bed for that. I tend to try to test everything on that car. So that way, if a client gets a product, it's been on something that I've personally driven, built, and tried to go fast in. So we're going to have a, a full production, like, very low co- or fairly low cost for what you're getting kit that we're taking and putting that diffuser on the car along with a flat floor and a, the same splitter we had in street class see what the car will do and then before coda we're developing a little bit more of an advanced package and then afterwards it'll get much much crazier
2: may i ask like what's the the process of how you start building are you um are you
1: doing any 3d scanning anything like that or for the really crazy aspect of the car, yes. So uh, if we have something where it needs to be uh, fairly fine in the details, we're going to 3D scan it. So all of our products currently, like trunk mounts and things like that, we 3D scan the car and have all of that made in CAD. And then in terms of like we're using best practice kind of situation for the vast majority of the off-the-shelf stuff since it's impossible to model every car out there. But uh for a little bit more of the detailed stuff, that's all scanned, and then we send it off to a phenomenal aerodynamicist that helps us out with that stuff. That's impressive. Very well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I know what I'm not good at, so I make sure I don't do any of those things.
0: <laughs> hey, call upon the strengths and pawn off the weaknesses. I hear it.
3: Yeah, that's why I ask everyone else to eat my vegetables. So everyone else does that. For me. <laughs> 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 but you keep all the chicken nuggets.
0: You go. that's right i keep them all
3: <laughs> every single one. of them. Oh god so that's cool so a lot of your your a lot of your products right now you, don't get them started lots of them are, um, are oh god shut up lots of them are uh, lots of them are best practices and then you're moving on to doing more kind of scanning 3d 3d builds for particular applications or, or what's the plan i guess so you're trying to be application specific or you're just trying to have universal parts as well
1: Uh, A little bit of both. So the universal parts are nice, just because there's plenty of people with the like various platforms that you can you couldn't make something for everything. So we'll have like a wing that has you can put your mounts wherever you want them. Splitters that we know work pretty well. You know, like ours is currently an off the shelf, just flat piece of carbon that we bond tunnels into, and we know that that works fairly well. All of the angles of everything are pretty moderate or modest, so that that way they'll work in most situations, and uh, try to keep it like that and keep that pretty simplified. And then we have a couple of projects happening pretty soon that are gonna be full scan and kind of show, I guess, the full force of what we are capable of, which I'm excited for.
2: Very cool,
3: very cool. And then you, you said you work with a particular aerodynamicist to do all the, the CFD side of that work? Correct,
1: we have like a couple of guys we've worked with and they've all been amazing. Uh, I have one that's very good that uh, is helping uh, with the NSX design. So I'll have a lot of ideas, we'll go back and forth and he'll let me know what he thinks You know, the best path is kind of situation
2: so what what was your day job if this just started three years ago what were you doing before that
1: i was a service manager at a bmw and porsche shop so still work related to cars but it would be nine to five work there do everything that i had to do and then at night they were kind enough to let me bring the car in and work on it and that's when the car was in its all the cars were in their more mild forms and then once i got my own shop i bought a little or I leased a little shop that was a thousand square foot personal shop where my girlfriend started her business and then I would just play with cars and try to make, you know, whatever I could. And then eventually that just turned into a business where it became my full time job.
2: Sounds like a good girlfriend. Yeah. She's
1: amazing. And she's a fast driver. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. Dang. I should I should come clean right now. So I did I worked as a service manager for like one or two months at Honda. It was God awful job. I don't know if that was your experience, but oh my gosh, it's so challenging dealing with customers all day, every day that are frustrated and upset and coming in a bad situation. And it was tough, but I would also work on my car in the evenings after, um, after the main shop hours were closed, but not necessarily with permission. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you were around for this, Mike, but do you remember I got like the Evo, uh, stuck oh, on a lift where the lift wouldn't go down, so the lift was like stuck four feet in the air, maybe three feet in the air
1: yeah I remember. And we had I to figure
2: there, out a way to get God. the car off the lift before um anyone came in to know who busted the lift <laughs> now so they we know. had like <laughs> now they know oh, they're gonna fire me from a job from fifteen years ago, but we had uh uh i it was like. Two by fours or like four by fours and jacks that we had to like use a jack with a four by four that was like two feet long to jack the it was like <laughs> the most sketchy like messed up thing, but I got it off the lift without knocking anything down, and then there was like the bosses the next day were so pissed about like who broke this lift and trying to figure out everybody held their tongue until this moment now so (laughs) i'm 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 sure my old honda boss is listening to our podcast he's just been waiting for this moment to catch me waiting for this.
3: i knew it
0: (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i was i mean i've spent the last two well yeah well yesterday i spent the day at the dealership because the the gti has an oil leak and surprise a volkswagen oil leak anyway (laughs) Um, did they
2: say like why are you here this is this is normal it came <laughs> from the factory as well. i
0: was like i was i was kind of theorizing i was like i bet i bet people like drive on worse oil leaks than this for sure before it ever gets any any worse i mean i never had any oil lights and my dipstick was still fine it was just pouring oil down the back end of the block and then down o all, all over the subframe and when i got under it to check the oil i was like oh cool my volkswagen opened up <laughs> but uh <laughs> I I was talking to him while while they were doing the the whole head work because they had to pull the whole top end off my car.
2: Oh my gosh! And Jesus.
0: that is uh, f- a that, well that's for this super. Yeah this this guy's seasoned and it took him three three projected like three and a half hours to just reseal it. That's all it was a sealant on the on the cam carrier, but since you had to take everything off the top end took him forever but I took all that time and just talked to the service manager while he was there and I asked about horror stories and he'd been working at this dealership for like three years and I don't know how anybody does it (laughs) like I hate customer interaction with people that don't know anything about the thing that they're attempting to get their service done for
1: Like I was, I was pretty fortunate. Our shop was a pretty high end shop where, like, you could eat off the floor is very nice. Most of the cars and clients that came in were very easy to deal with. And then now with ours, future everyone's like, I've probably had one moderately okay experience, and the rest of them have been like amazing. So I've just dodged those bullets because working at a dealership can be an absolute nightmare. Unfortunately, I never had to.
2: Beautiful. That's pretty sweet. That's yeah. yeah. Shop so clean you could eat off the customers.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> 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 Not recommended, but you could. If you're into that. Well, I was just going to ask where it all started.
1: Yep, yeah, back in 2013. I've always been well. I've been a huge fan of Time Attack and the dreaded words of spirit of Time Attack, and followed it for years. Whereas a lot of drivers, I think, kind of get into it because they go to an event and it's there. It's been probably. Like my two favorite forms of motorsport are time attack and endurance racing. Couldn't be any more different. But uh I yeah, true. A, a huge fan and you know started building a car for Redline Time Attack. And that then they canceled their Enthusiasm Street class. So I sold that car. It was a Turbo Miata and got back into it when Redline started back up and Global Time Attack started back up as well back in like 2012, 2013. And been just playing with cars, probably done I've been instructing for the last like 12, 13 years. So three, 400 events, always at the track and something I truly enjoy and turned a career into it and still go out as much as I can. Yeah, I'm lucky.
3: Feel very fortunate. So tell us about the NSX from, so you, you started racing in, when did you get serious about the streetcar NSX?
1: So my, I had an E36 M3 that I competed with an enthusiast class and wanted to climb the ladder. You and, still have that car? Yep. It's sitting on a, on a lift. It runs, needs a few things, but it's there. Probably turn into an uh, endurance car actually, but still have that car. And what happened with many cars, uh, sent an engine out to get built, did a few other things, and everything took like six times as long as it was supposed to. And I'd set aside some money to take the M3 to Japan when it was finished. So I was sitting on this money that I was like, okay, I really don't have anything to do with it. This is obviously not going to happen and got dinner with a friend and he was thinking about getting out of his NSX and I got a crazy deal on it so I bought that from him and was like oh this will be like my nice responsible street car I took it to the track once and that immediately ruined everything so from there it was like 2016 uh set it up had fun drove it with like the C series it was a high mileage car had like 218,000 miles so I was like oh once the engine blows up I'll put a K in it it never blew up so Honda reliability and decided to just get a little bit more serious. And I'd known that I was going to put a K in it basically from the day I bought it. And after driving it on track, I was like, Oh, this thing's so amazing on track that I want to switch platforms and basically went full on in. started planning when I was driving it as a streetcar, started collecting parts, working with partners, developing the plan. And from 2016 to, I think like our end of 2016, to the middle of 2018, Uh, built the car to most of what its current form is learned a tremendous amount and uh, tried my best to just go as fast as I could in it. And it's treated me pretty well.
3: So when did, when did the transition start happening? So you, you, when did you, uh, you know, everybody goes through that, that cycle of this is a street car and I'm not going to do anything stupid to it. And then, you know, that doesn't work, obviously (laughs) never works. So when did, when did you start driving it and then go, this is not going to be a street car anymore? So I'd owned it for about,
1: a month and then I, uh, <laughs> <a> month. <laughs> oh oh, um, I have a big problem like a, not a single car I've owned has ever not become some overly extreme track car and I have like an issue with stopping and being like this is a good point point. and uh, the NSX was just the slipperiest of slopes out of all of them so that one was like I had it for a month I took it to a track day I'm one of the founders and organizers of VTech Club USA. So we were hosting an event and I was like, oh, it'd be fun to take it out. And took it out, did two laps on some like crappy lowering springs and Bilstein's and fell in love with the car. And from there, it was kind of game over. So bought a bunch of parts for it, made a narrow package for it, started campaigning it in VTech Club with bigger plans in the future. So essentially a month after ownership, started going down that uh, terrible path that you guys have been on many times.
3: I mean, a month is pretty good. A month is pretty good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Need to come clean. Your friends have reached out to us. This is actually an intervention. There you go. <laughs> they, want, they wanted you to wait two months. Yeah. Not at least two months. We're going to get you a, yeah. a hybrid. And hopefully that would keep you from turning that into a track car. I mean, that could be a serious statement in our group.
3: I already, I already got you an insight. <laughs> Enjoy the best car. Enjoy the best car that Honda ever
1: made. There you go. Hey, let's, let's calm the fuck down. Take yes. that. It's like, well, I'm sure you oh guys are the God. same way where someone could give you like a P1 and you're like, this thing's pretty damn good. I think we can make it better in this way. And it just, oh. you, your brain just doesn't turn off. Like you're like, oh, this thing's amazing. But they had to compromise for this. Let me see what I can do. And you guys know you would do the exact same thing.
2: So, so I have a friend um, whose father has two Ferrari 40s and wow. so the second I saw them, I was like, yeah, I would so I have no there's nothing is sacred. I would ruin an F40 to make it faster okay. for time attack. No that, problem. That's
0: just what he's saying. Dan is opening up and saying, I will happily get sued by Ferrari. That is what I, <laughs> I want.
3: mean. They're going to sue everybody for everything anyway. Desist, yeah.
1: Here you come. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, They don't, don't be racing our cars. Yeah, they don't
3: Uh, they don't accomplish anything, so it doesn't matter. They're just getting
2: angry (laughs) at people for no reason. Don't paint your car; it's ridiculous. On the NSX, that rear suspension in particular is kind of funky, right? Like, did you have any issues with? I mean, handling. Like, I've I've never been in NSX. You said you fell in love. Like, what about it?
1: So, um, like, I'm very fortunate in that I get to do a lot of coaching and I get to drive a lot of very exotic fast cars and I would say the two most enjoyable cars I've driven like basically out of the box have been an NSX with light modifications and then on the complete other spectrum of like extreme like McLaren's uh, they you can drive them with the right foot very easily and that made the NSX really enjoyable where I feel like with many front engine cars uh, you kind of pray for grip and then you don't get it and you do your best to get as much as you can whereas in the NSX it's almost the opposite the the front will have more grip than you need. And the rear will be along for the ride. And if you know what to do with the right pedal, it'll typically do exactly what you want it to. You, like, you can just lift off oversteer and get the car to rotate, get back on it. And it's a very, very easy car to drive in that sense. And I'd driven quite a few mid-engine cars, but none had really spoken to me in the way that like, that one did. And it's very analog, still feels fun.
2: Yeah, that's that's sweet. I remember had the opportunity to drive. Mike, do you remember what it was? Is it was it four five six? No. Yes. What? Four five eight. Four five eight, and uh, we got to drive that back to back with uh Gallardo, and the Gallardo's the biggest piece of shit on the planet. <laughs> I will. Oh, it was horrific, and it's amazing. Like it's like, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, and so it makes me nervous. Like, oh, if I got a chance to drive an NSX, which is you know a car I've Long for for most of my life um it makes me nervous but on the flip side hearing you say how lovely it is yeah that's like i lost all respect for lamborghini in one day oh
1: i worked for uh like an exotic type like you drive kind of the situation someone comes they pay their two hundred dollars and they drive them around like a track or whatever and we had a Gallardo, and every time I drove it, I was just like, "This thing is just such an understeery piece of garbage." And then it would be broken constantly, like every time. I'm like, okay, this person signed up, and they'd go and they'd take it out for one lap, and they would just go into fail safe or do something stupid. And I completely just started to hate any of the actually Italian Lamborghinis. Seems like now that they're basically Audis, they're pretty good. But uh, you know, even like I drove a couple of the SVJ Aventadors. They're so like, oh, we got the Green record, and I drove it. And I was like, they must have cheated like crazy on that Nurburgring because yeah. The car was so bad.
0: No Pontiac Fiero, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, shut up! We're not getting into that one right now, Hayden. That's secret. That's a secret.
2: Sorry, I ha- I really want a Fiero for for reasons. We don't have to talk about that though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, so we can own an F40 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the American F40. <laughs> yeah, we the American
3: know. F40. You can make the Fiero into any car you want, reasonably, right? There's a body kit for everything. So it's a good way to get into an F40. That's all. That's all we're
0: saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's cheap way. 15 grand and a dream. The, the frugal F40. Have you guys That's ever true. seen an F40 on a lift? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then you guys have seen how, like, I don't know what drunken Italians welded that thing together, but oh, you look I, at the way I, that the chassis is put together. You're like, this, is, like, this isn't is even acceptable for a kit car. The F40 is one of those cars where it's definitely don't meet your heroes, especially if you know what you're looking at. Because you look at it, and you're like, this car is worth what? And it's built like this? It's so terrible. They're, they're, but it's everything in the
3: 80s. I mean, that's just this is how the 80s were. You're not wrong. He was, wrong. On, he was wrong. on cocaine. Leave him alone.
2: Like, <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> I remember... Uh, I I was reading something. It's like Road and Track or Car and Driver or something. When the NSX came out, and it like was such a step up in quality over what Ferrari was doing, Lamborghini was doing, all you know, all the supercar stuff like that. And that that they would have to step their game up. But there was a genuine concern that if these you know exotic car companies started making their cars too high quality, too reliable, that the you know the draw, the allure of the exotic car would then go away there's like being something the
1: crap is important yeah, yeah being the piece of crap is important and it shouldn't be livable kind of situation whether like it's part of the allure is that it's so ridiculous in every situation yeah yeah well i
3: mean it's like yeah. it's like where people are like oh i want this you know i want it to feel super good and blah, blah 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 or like a great example is i used to tune carburetors and um some guy would bring his car over and I would tune it, it would be flawless, it would transition well, like the secondaries would come in real nice, everything was great, and it would get substantially better fuel economy. But the problem is when you when it would transition, it wouldn't like hit, it would kind of just accelerate and it would feel yeah. good like a normal car like it's supposed to, and then they'd a, <laughs> they'd ask me to put it back
2: yeah you know? that they didn't want that flat door curve yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah no, 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 it so was like because it didn't like load up on fuel and spew a bunch of black smoke out, you know like clog like basically just load up. They didn't like that. So I had to change it back. And it's like, I, I can't do this. My brain hurts. This is this is too Can much for me. Can you
0: untune my car, please? Yeah. No, it's like... Give give me the pop and crackle tune on no, the exactly. car. No, exactly.
3: It's like, that's what it is. That's what it is. The car and so is like, too good. Yeah. On D-Cell, exactly. Uh, Seriously. On D-Cell, people... Like, carburetors suck fuel in. They're still, you know, igniting and all that stuff. So exactly. That's like race car carbureted race cars pop and bang tunes coming down on in in gear it's exactly they wanted all of that and i'm just like (laughs) i can't do this
1: is your cobra
3: it was it was that's where that's where i got like originally when i built it uh you know however many 18 years ago um holy yeah oh my god anyway when i built it 18 (laughs) years ago 17 years ago whatever it was yeah um it was originally just a, a 302 with a carb on it. And so then I learned how to tune appropriately, tune a carburetor. So I'd had, you know, I had an LC1, you know, a, a walk around wide band and I would yeah. tune it and I would do every, you know, I, I had everything. Like I had the parts kit, you know, emulsification yeah. tubes, jets, you know, um, cams, all of it so that it, you know, would be tuned correctly, boosters, all of it. And so I would be doing all the vacuum checks and doing all the you know, the O2 checks and all that up and down cruise and all that stuff. And then once I got done, they'd be, uh, they'd go drive it and it was fast. They'd be way faster than they were before. A bunch of old guys and Cobras who shouldn't have them because they can barely handle like, you know, a Miata, but anyway, way <laughs> faster than it was before. And then they'd be like, but it doesn't like hit when I get on the gas. And the, the problem was that it just accelerated. There was no extra fuel. There was no extra anything. It just kind of just did what it was supposed to do instead of bogging and then coming up on power. And so it's kind of like those those old cars that have turbos. Like the lag yeah. is what made it exciting. Like you hit the you hit the <laughs> you hit the <laughs> throttle, and then you wait three and a half seconds, and you're like, yeah.
1: <laughs> you are like, "Wow!" Radical. Them, yeah. Get gapped by a Camry, and then three seconds right. later, walk right. into space. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And it's just like, it's, and so like it, that's that's you know the allure of a lot of old supercars and stuff like that. It's just that they had all these problems, and people are like, oh, I want. I wanted to have what's what's the right term for this? I always forget what the right term is because I hate it so much. I wanted to have you know like an emotion, or I wanted to have some essence. I wanted character. To have, character, character, character. <laughs> thank you. I wanted yeah. to have some character, and I'm like, I just want it to work. Can we just like yeah. make this not suck? Like that'd be great.
0: Let's make this not. I suck. need to vibe with my car.
1: That's why I kind of like the direction you're going with your Cobra because it's like modernization, make it a better car. Because right. a lot of old cars, like I think people have like definitely have uh rose tinted glasses at it. oh yeah oh yeah. yeah oh yeah like i had an air-cooled 911 for nine years and it was such a piece of shit like i go back <laughs> and like, I, like i do not regret you all the time We're like do you miss that car and i'm like absolutely not like thank god that yeah. thing has gone it was such a headache and it had like weber carbs on it so six carbs yeah. so you're you're constantly messing with it and it never runs right and you like when you get it to run right, you're like, Oh, this is cool. Go to the track and the elevation's different. So then you have to mess with it again. So I'm just I'm so over old cars and they're all yeah. slow and they don't drive that great. They turn in for crap. So old cars can just go to hell. <laughs> <it>. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch.
3: <laughs> I, I don't I don't mind it that I mean, I want to make it better. That's my thing.
1: Yeah. Making them better to the point where they drive like a modern car, but they have the character of an old car is is cool. But when they mm-hmm. just have character, which is like air quotes character, which means that they're garbage and right. they right. look nice um i don't stand behind that
3: <laughs> yeah that's my problem that's precisely yeah. my problem i don't need drum i don't need drum brakes for authenticity i don't need 22 to 1 steering so i can have a manual rack like i yes. don't want drum brakes
0: for authenticity yeah. <laughs> Oh, that hits okay. so hard you get
3: two good stops <laughs> and then the tr- and then the truck or the wall in front of you stops for you
1: yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to that. The excitement in an old car is that you might rear-end anything on the highway. Like, you just don't know if you're going to stop.
0: And don't forget that your front seat is the crumple zone. Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) The human body is very soft. Yeah, exactly. Your body is the crumple zone. I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) there. Good luck. I always make a joke. It's like one of those things you hit a shopping cart and the shopping cart wins. And it's like
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> those, those quality shopping carts have all those uh, extra reinforcements. Uh,
1: now that everyone hates Mike and I for saying that opinion.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I, I grew up, I grew up, I loved old cars. I absolutely loved old cars. But from the beginning, I always wanted to make street machines updated. Like I always wanted to take, like I realized very quickly, um, I, almost, I almost bought this Nova back in the day, a 69 Nova. And I was looking through it. I was like, I could do some stuff with this. And, you know, this is this is 16 year old me. And, and I was like, I yeah. can do some stuff with this. And I was like, man, there are so many things that need to be improved on this car to even make it, you know, a 2000s car, which is like insane. Yeah. And so, like, even from the beginning, geez, you know, G Street kind of cars, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things are super interesting to me. And I love that. I like the way old cars look. I'd love to make them more, you know, efficient, aerodynamic, all that fun stuff. But, man, they were it is rose-colored glasses. People just, yeah. everything's great. Everything was great in the past, all this stuff. And I'm like, it was bad, and it yeah. got a lot better now. <laughs> when a Camry destroyed, like, what? Well, who did that test where they, like, drove minivans? Get, like, Car mm-hmm. Driver or Grassroots did a test where they drove old, you know, sporty cars against yeah, like a... 30 m 3 kind of thing yeah. against yeah. those. Yeah, I think I saw that. And against a freaking Odyssey. And then the Odyssey ran the same autocross time. And it's like... Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this car, is, this $100,000 M3, really isn't that great.
3: <laughs> right. It, 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 it's cool. I'm not going to say it's not cool. It's just yeah. not that
1: fast. It's, it's cool. Sad. And if you want dudes to talk to you at the gas station, that's like the best right. car. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 My Cobra has attracted a lot of males yeah. and no females. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. kind of how this works. <laughs> oh, you must get a lot of attention. Nope
2: not yeah no no you're right not i, I you sure did. do Roper dick magnet <laughs> if you like bearded old white men then drive a honda insight because it's like the same they all look the same i can't tell them apart oh my gosh i always what kind of gas mileage does that get is that, a, is, is, is that a spaceship <laughs> <laughs> oh how, how old is that is that it's like oh, it's 20 years old sir uh, (laughs) Get 60 miles to the gallon. Oh, dear me. I'm driving my Silverado. (laughs) Isn't
1: that the car that was built in the NSX plant and, like, they took everything they learned about all of the aluminum extrusions and then made it better on the inside? Hell yeah. Yeah, so... I can nerd out on that. I'm not an old white man with a beard, but if you want a semi-old brown man to come talk to you at a gas station, I'll come talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you about the history of this car. So cheer to Honda.
3: (laughs) We are not about to get into Inside Talk.
2: Oh, Inside Talk for the next 20 minutes. Go ahead
3: and just (laughs) aim this now.
1: (laughs) My bad, my bad.
3: (laughs) That's the second strike. You already started with Spirited Attack, so. Ouch. <laughs> Devin, Devin's been seething since the first three minutes. I'm telling you. Well, <laughs> Devin,
1: Devin and I have similar feelings on a lot of things time attack related. We just disagree on spirit of time attack. Yeah. Mm, there's a, there's a special
3: spirit. It touches you differently. We get it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly.
1: The spirit, he caresses me at night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the spirit is my big spoon.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who wants to be big spoon anyway? It's cold. <laughs>
2: so are you you were talking about japan earlier there's nothing more spirited time attack than that is that a a future goal
1: still for the nsx uh i don't want to say too much but we do have loose plans in the near future like if we accomplish everything we want to accomplish in the u.s uh world time attack is a very cool event but i would say japan appeals to me far more
3: and that's and, and just because culturally
1: or the... Like, I hate Australians too. <laughs> okay. Well, like the World Time Attack rule set is very cool and it does a thing. But U.S. Time Attack cars are normally not built anywhere near that rule set. And then the home court advantage is so massive there that I'm so competitive that if I went, I'd want to ship the car almost like a, six months early and really do everything that I could to have a good shot at whatever class I was in. And in Japan, it would be almost more of like a vacation. Like, hey, we're going to go. We're going to do our best. Who cares? But we have a lot of friends and a lot of contacts in Japan that would help us with the process. And it would almost be a go drive all of the tracks that as a kid, I really wanted to drive, like Tsukuba, Suzuka, Fuji, Autopolis. So we'd leave the car there for a while if we went and uh, try to just make it almost more of an experience with a car that we love versus and a team that we love versus like trying to. Go and smash every record.
2: Sure, yeah, that's the spirit of Time Attack. <laughs> ah, <laughs> let,
3: let the spirit touch you. The spirit is touching me in Japan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with the the kind of the sentiment between um, between Australia and Japan. It's kind of a different feel. I feel like yeah, the Australia is pretty serious. this Everything feels very serious, maybe yeah. unintentionally so, but it does feel very serious. Um, where Japan feels like you could go and like have a good time. And even if you don't necessarily win, I mean, and don't necessarily do as well as you want to do, it's not as critical where Japan, I feel, or uh, Australia, I feel like if I don't do as well as I want to do, I don't want to come home. It's just, how is the shipping cost similar between the two? Do you know, have you looked that up?
1: They're fairly similar, both like ridiculous right now. So we're hoping things kind of change. Uh, But, you know, probably going to be a little crazy. So that's why we're going to leave the car out there for a long time. If we do take it out there, just so that that way we kind of get the most out of it, let it become an experience. See if we can give fire Ando a run for his money. And then, you know, like you were talking about the whole, if you go to Australia, you want to do well, or just the way our car is built and the philosophy. I think we'd have to add some insane amount of ballast and change everything about it to the point where it almost wouldn't make sense where we're not competing with the car we compete with here. It'd be a totally different car. And just pray for the best. And you see it where I think you see a lot of internationals go in and internationals that have smashed it in their respective region. And not to say that the Australians wouldn't come in and kill it because they would, their cars are unreal. And I have the utmost respect for world time attack. I'm going to try to go this year uh, as a fan. But uh, I think in terms of going out there, if your goal is just to go have fun, which is totally cool, like be part of the spectacle, it's rad. But if you're going with the goal of doing as well as you can, it's just the cars are stacked against you. And, uh, if yeah. I went, it would be the kind of situation where we would almost, we have a second chassis and we're considering building to the international unlimited rules. And that would be the car that we take, not the current one.
3: Yeah. What's the, what, what, what you're looking for 2000 pounds on the NSX, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Sub 2000 is the goal, which seems like, yeah. I was
3: just going to say that that seems like you'd have to add two, at least two to 300 pounds to the car back to run it. Australia
1: exactly so and which isn't the worst thing we could change the weight distribution do a couple things because obviously it's funny because like a real time attack it you can do whatever you want arrow wise you can do whatever you want power wise but we're going to limit you on weight also you know if i were to talk to ian baker i'd say that i don't necessarily think that weight limits are in the spirit of time attack (laughs) oh god don't do it (laughs) i don't know how you guys feel about it you guys i mean you guys might feel different ways but i think that's what i like about the u.s
2: so obviously you have to add a weight to the NSX if you were to take it to World Time Attack, that specific chassis. But where do you feel, do you think that the lightweight is your biggest advantage on the car? What are the strengths and weaknesses of the NSX?
1: So some of the strengths are that it puts power down very well because of the weight distribution. Uh, that's been a big helper for us in street class with the tire limitation. And then also the natural shape of the car at the frontal area is pretty small. So it's a very efficient car uh, with less horsepower. We're able to typically hit higher V-Maxes in the competition and naturally weight. So because I'm pretty crazy about weight, we got the car pretty low. I think uh fully wet full tank will still be below 2,000 fairly easily. Uh, so it's definitely here one of the big advantages, whereas like, you know, Ferris, who's an amazing competitor, built a really cool car. We know power wise we're just not gonna be able to compete once he gets that thing sorted where the a V eight L S that's fully built, twin turbo, power wise we can't touch him, but power to weight wise we can get to the point where potentially we're at the advantage. What a what was the street class power to weight? Um we were in the ballpark of I think five here I can tell you right now. Yeah, it's like how much did it make? It made five fifty, right? Uh, Something like that. We made so with the G3770, we never got a proper uh, reading on it because we would spin wheels on the dyno. But kind of extrapolating, we were like, okay, I think it would be right around 600 to 650. So okay. I would say, let's say at 600. Well, actually, our power to weight ratio was four. So still pretty good. And yeah. with...
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess, that's all right, I guess. <laughs> no big deal. We should have been better.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you, you guys know how it goes. No matter how well you do, you're always trying to do better. I was actually really mad. I thought the car was going to be about 150 pounds lighter. So it took me like a year to get over how butthurt I was about the weight of the car. And uh, <laughs> uh, from there, the disadvantages are, I don't know if, uh, I mean, you guys work with a lot of people, it seems like. So you guys understand the benefit of like a multi-link rear suspension and the things that they are able to control that really just make those things put power down amazingly. Like we have a, a G82M4 that we work with, with Art of Attack. And we put an aero package, KW v 4s which are a street coilover, a Goodyear Eagle Supercar 3Rs. And we couldn't change the alignment because no parts were available. And the car did a 49 pretty easily a button Willow. So it's like and that was stock power. So, like modern cars have a lot of advantages technology wise, kinematics wise, that the old car doesn't have. So, I would say that's the only disadvantage it has. But compared to most of the competition of people running golden era Japanese cars or your typical kind of American car, uh, we don't have too many disadvantages. All right. Getting into sex. Chop, chop. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, busted ones are what, 30 grand now? Good luck. Not even busted. Salvage so title is like forty-five, fifty. Yeah, I wanted to buy luck. another one as a streetcar and I will never do that because uh, I'm poor.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if I wasn't poor, I don't think I would do it. But that's a, that's a different story.
0: No, and you're right. Not gonna lie. While we've been talking, I've go ahead. Well, I was saying, not gonna lie. While we've been talking, I definitely went to Facebook Marketplace to find the nearest NSX <laughs> and see how much they were. And there's a. <laughs> Uh there's one with 180,000 miles in Chicago and it's red and it's selling for
1: 625. Yeah. Woo. So, so if I total mine, uh fingers well. crossed it never happens, but it would be we have one more shell that we would build which would be like uh take everything we learned and amplify it to 12 and if that one got crashed it would be like all right, time to move on to like lotuses or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's on that. lotus fork. is cheaper. Yeah. It's, New it's platform.
1: Crazy. I'm not in that tax bracket. that's that's crazy the um
3: nobody and yeah i mean obviously the main competitors here that you're running against are us you know will james all of the cars are you know 2000s era cars right and then ferris you know they're all they're all 2000s they don't have too many advantages in terms of the the suspension obviously ours is a multi-link in the rear but we it's still a mcpherson front there's not anything too too exciting happening there um you're you're gonna be substantially lighter than us, and we'll probably be around the similar power range, something like that. So, you know, that's that's the that's really I think the weight is your advantage there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think like guys like you, like I'm not gonna lie, when I saw you guys on the entry list, I got really excited because uh I've always been a fan of what you guys do. You guys take a very practical and kind of uh very innovative approach to a lot of things. And I feel as though Naturally, if you guys beat the record, I'm going to want to beat that. But uh, if there's like, I know I'm not going to beat it at finals. It's the kind of thing where we're just doing a shakedown. And if there's someone I would root for, it's you guys because I think the way that you guys go about things is pretty inspiring, and the way that you guys are happy to share knowledge and whatnot, I think it's really rad.
3: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, we're cheap. Uh,
1: <laughs> it, 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 cheap,
3: <laughs> cheap, cheap makes you uh, cheap makes you do exciting things. You know, you try to figure out how to make things work, right? Like it's it is interesting. Like uh, we always make the joke that. That you know other people's splitters cost more than our engine package um, yeah. maybe maybe not anymore our engine got a little more expensive this year, but um, sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it got cheaper in some ways, Mike, it, it did get cheaper in some other ways. I'm not going to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say it's all, I'll have to add it up, but it's enough. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, we, we try to be holistic in our approach that is all cost benefit analysis based. We can definitely drop a lot of weight if we, we threw some cash at it and carbon parts or otherwise, but you know, it's, it's more of a, you know, cheap, I mean I don't know what else to say we're, we're just cheap it's it's hard to spend that money when we don't see the the big dollar signs and we know that from our data and from everything we've done so far that the Carter should have the record at least it's it's styles, it's not saying that it will stand for a long time but we know it's a it's good record and 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 being fast and all of that is hard it's I mean any is the worst place on the planet unfortunately <laughs> because it attacks you in multiple different ways it attacks you in every way possible and it, and and not only that it's not even just showing up and doing it it's for someone like you who's close to it it's I, I you know it's maybe not as bad but for us you know having to drive 30 hours to bring a car out there and we get one opportunity a year max if that day doesn't go well meaning if the weather isn't good if people throw dirt on the track if all these things the competitors don't kind of help out in making it a good event then it's it's it just won't work out, right? Like that's yeah. the hard part about all of this. Everything kind of needs to go right because you a, a soft track will make this in a, an impossible record, right? Everything has to be good.
1: Well, absolutely, and I think like you have a excellent driver that's going to be behind the wheel, so that's going to be a big benefit. But no matter how good you are, I've talked to pro drivers. I mean, even Ferris when he came to Finals the first time, I remember I looked at his data after the first day, and he was like, "Man, I came to this track expecting it to just be very straightforward." And that's it's not, such a not. tricky track. Yeah, there's like so many tricks that you learn from driving it, you know, it, it becoming your every other weekend or your once a month track. And right. uh, it really does test everything where you can't just big hammer it with like 2,500 horsepower and know you're going to go fast. It's even with a car that it has big power but isn't fully developed. I mean, it it, it punishes a lot of or it punishes any of your faults. So if there's something that your car is not good at, it will definitely have a big reflection in the lap time and that's why i hate and love that track
3: yeah I, you're right i mean and, it, and 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 that along with there's there's a lot of details we make a joke like at gingerman like it's easy to go fast at gingerman it's really hard to go very fast at gingerman like yeah. it's seemingly a lot of cars are capable of getting into the well not a lot but some of the better cars are capable of getting into the 25s 26s but then finding those extra two three seconds after that is difficult. It's very, very yeah. difficult. And and button willow is the same thing, only it's four seconds and not <laughs> it's four seconds and not two <laughs> or three seconds. And then on top of that, like we said, like if anybody drives off into the dirt, the whole track changes, right? Somebody yeah. cuts the corner before Riverside, great. Everything's effed for a while. Yeah. And it's just it's just a rough thing like that. We still have button willow dust in the car. I mean it, it, it's in everything. It just gets in everything. It's a. I'm pretty sure there's a lawsuit somewhere about the talc powder getting, you know, all over
1: people and killing them in at Buttonwillow in that area. I just, it's just crazy. And the, I guess the rumor is that because the, the reason why it's not farmland is because it was built on a toxic waste dump, so they oh couldn't God. Do farm, like they couldn't put farmland on it, and that's why it turned into a racetrack. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I've heard it from some people that have been going there yeah. since it happened. Yeah. And uh, that makes you feel a lot worse about the, the button willow dust.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like we, we've, we've stood there plenty of times and enjoyed the, the sights and sounds and the smells of all that dust going right into our lungs. I wonder what's worse, that or asbestos. We'll have to, there'll <laughs> be a study in, in 20 years when all the time attackers are dead.
2: Setting out those junk mails, ASAP. Yeah, have exactly. Breathing button willow dust. The That's one other terrible. thing, like, like, I don't know if, tell me what you think about this, Amir, that Mike hasn't experienced. But Gingerman, it, like Mike said, it's easy to go pretty decent. It's hard to go really fast, but you feel pretty safe while you do it. At Buttonwill, you need fucking balls and it's <laughs> scary. Like there are some scary bits. Like you, if you're, you know, going through the banking and it's like, uh, if I don't make this turn, I'm launching off into all this toxic dust and, and like, yeah. am I going to catch a wheel? Is it going to flip a car? You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, You're not wrong. There's a couple of areas that are pretty hairball. I think especially one that most people wouldn't realize, but in a fast car becomes really gnarly is the final S where you basically have to be flat out. And it's very easy for that to just throw you straight off track. Riverside, like Riverside, for example, in our car, um, on an AO52 295s, we can pick our line through it based on how fast we want the min speed to be. So we can go through it like 112 if we want to just throw away Phil Hill and do like mm-hmm. 109, 108 if we want to set up for Phil Hill. And it's shit like that, sure. where if you push too hard, it'll throw you off. And like you 50-50 that kink and it's so, so high. It's like probably like a seven-inch curb that it will almost total the car. And same with like bus stop, like the curb on the right. We actually I 50-50 it and we broke a headlight cover of all things. Like it hit it so hard that the splitter moved the entire front end and broke the headlight cover. And we got out and we're like, what the hell? Like, how did that happen? And there's a lot of places where it takes big commitment where I think having a driver like, uh, like you guys have, Tomo, is going to be a big advantage where he's not afraid to just push in those areas. And it's a very hard track for someone that's not used to those high commitment areas. And it also just transitions so much. Everything's like right, left, right, left, right, right, left kind of situations. So if your car has a lot of mechanical grip but doesn't transition well, it's very tough. And then the car gets really sketchy. So I, w- I would say I definitely agree with that. It takes some, some serious... Cajones to get the most out of it yeah they even i was thinking
2: in the bus stop you know there's that crest it's like i remember first time i went there it's hard to keep your foot <laughs> down like the, yeah. like literally the crest is trying to lift your feet off of the pedals and you're like i got to stay committed to this uh yeah it's way it's it's more challenging than people realize i think
1: yeah absolutely and the speeds you're carrying through like riverside or i guess why well, i'd mentioned the speeds there it's like if you go off, you're going off sideways into a dirt field that will catch tires. And like if you spin, it will punish you significantly. So I've seen, unfortunately, quite a few cars totaled there. And it, it's one of those weird situations, too, where if you go to like Road Atlanta, there's walls everywhere. So you have this natural fear. Tw- turn 12 is a very intimidating corner. Button below, you're like, there's nothing for what appears to be a quarter mile, but it's still a fairly dangerous track in the sense that if, like you were saying, if you get sideways, catch a tire do something wrong it will it will punish you
2: yeah and you're three hours from civilization <laughs> yeah not the, wrong.
3: It, it it is impressive like you know i've seen it both ways like um some some people go off and like in the weirdest way sideways backwards upside down well not upside down that's exactly the opposite but sideways <laughs> backwards all that fun stuff and then they come out the other side fine and then you see, like, one guy, like, go off, drop one wheel in a just a slightly funny way, and that car tips. And then it's upside down. And it's like, what the shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> it just, it's, so, it's so variable as to, you know what I mean, as to, as yeah. to how you end up, especially because it's so flaky and such. Like, uh, CanJam in 2018, you know, Ricky Bobby went off fucking, like, eight times in the last session because he was pushing so hard <laughs> to run a, a 38.5 that we had run. Uh huh. And he had he went off so many times, but it's like the splitter and the under tray saved him because he sailed across it like he skipped. And so he never went off two sideways. And every time he did go off, the splitter luckily never grabbed and it just skipped across it until he got stuck and they got pulled out and then did it again. <laughs> and, then, and so he got like and I was just like, if we had gone off that many times, like anybody else gone off that many times, they would have been upside down. But he got yeah. like he got super lucky. It was just crazy.
1: That's, yeah, that's, cool that, that's more of the, uh, the lucky rarity versus what normally happens there. Like, even Robbie in his NSX, he went off on cotton corners and like ripped off the entire front end of his car.
3: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's a bummer, it just... but that track's an asshole. Yeah. It's, it's,
3: <laughs> it, it, fight, it fights everybody. Obviously, we know we don't, we don't, we need to, we need to like, if there's like, I don't know, toxic. Toxic zombies in the ground, or something. We need to sacrifice, <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't even know what to sacrifice. Do you go get like nuclear waste and like pour it in the ground or do that? Like, yeah,
2: exactly. That make them
3: happy? my plan is Yeah, just
2: bring exactly. it to I don't, full strength. To make it happy. I, I don't. I don't know what to give it. So what? What you're saying? How, how would you feel about this, Amir? Just based on your competitive nature, that uh, if we get the record and no one else, I mean, but somebody else could beat us uh, at superlap, no doubt, or at j finals my bad my bad um should we come we petition the state to get that track canceled is that like because of the how dangerous it is and the, the toxicity
1: and then we could retire <laughs> i'm not opposed to that but we have to do it after i beat the record <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> those, are,
3: those are the only those are
1: the only options. yeah that's only stipulation there you go i nah, like huh. I'm, I'm really hoping you guys do beat the record because if there's one thing that I do love. Like I I love my own competitive nature, but I love the sport of time attack and the story that you guys have and how hard you guys have tried and been screwed so many times. I think the first time I met Mike, I walked into the garage and your car was broken. And I was like, "Ooh, he's not very nice and walked right out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, totally understandable. Because when a car is like busted and someone walks in, you're like, dude, can you just screw off right now? Like, yeah. we're trying to fix this thing. Just go away. So I was like, all right, I'm going to leave, leave their space. but.
3: That was double Uh, engine swap day. Leave me alone. It was actually. It was. So that's
1: why I felt bad. I was like, okay, like I've been in that situation. I'm going to cut him some slack. I'm just going to like let him do his thing. We Uh, we did a
3: double trans swap and then we did an engine swap right after that. It was uh, a, it was a day. It was a day.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, hey, how you guys doing? And it's like, what a dumb question. The car's like broken and just, <laughs> it's like, let me tell you how we're doing. We're doing fucking terrible. <laughs>
3: yeah. Do you Can you throw some money at the ground for us? Thank you. Yeah. That would be great.
1: Awesome. So what I'll yeah. do is I'll, I'll make sure I come find you guys long before anyone st- sets a competitive lap so we can have a beer together and enjoy it. I'll, I'll cheer you guys on. That'd be, that'd be good. That'd
3: be good before anything <laughs> stupid happens. We've had so many weird things happen. So, oh, man. No, it's a. Uh, it, it is it, people don't understand until they get out there you know this will be a pitch to you know if you can we know we talk a lot of shit about button wheel, but if you can get out to finals get out to finals and, and check out some of the cars and stuff like that as much as everybody hates it it is a it is a very important track for time attack and and if you can see some of us run and such please uh make it out to finals because we're going to make a 30 hour 30 whatever five hour trek to make it happen so
1: yeah we look forward right. to seeing everybody and, and I feel you on that because we did the same thing for Road Atlanta this year. And you're doing a 36-hour drive and you're sitting there being like, man, I have one shot at this. And if, I, if anything goes wrong, it's, we get another year. And I knew the car was going to retire from street class after that event. And it was probably a, like one of the most stressful situations that I've dealt with where I was like, man, like we don't get another shot at this. It has to work. And, uh, I know you guys are in the same situation right now, Well, hopefully, I mean, being an unlimited, you might get plenty more shots and I hope you do, but, uh, I've I've felt that and I hope that it goes your way the way it did mine.
3: Yeah. We appreciate Appreciate that. We
2: hope so too.
1: You you have to come out to Gingerman, Michigan.
2: And, uh, that way there's like connections that you're, you (laughs) aren't by yourself in Atlanta. Or, you know, across the country, you could actually hang out and if something goes wrong, get a lot of help. And it's, it's, you know, close to our home base as well.
1: Nice. And I will say that is the plan for next year. We want to make it out to Midwest Fest. Um, I flew out to Connecticut for their event. Uh, Chris was kind enough to invite me out. So my partner, Angel, and I flew out there. We had a great time. We're like, OK, we can definitely see this. So we may bring uh, two or three cars out next year. I think uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, take the NSX in street mod, which is a little bit of a disappointment for me. I know there's a little bit of a, a wall that lots of those guys are trying to surmount. And what we're doing is we're, we have another car that we're going to build, as long as the rules don't change pretty extensively, to come do that in street mod. And then also bring the NSX out in Unlimited to try and uh, give you boys and the rest of them a run for their money.
2: Sounds good. Sounds
3: All like right, never
1: plan.
2: mind. Ouch! <laughs> nope, no, not invited anymore. Supposed <laughs> so. so to come as friends.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely as friends, and that is your home track, so I don't expect too much. But uh, no, no. win or lose, beers afterwards, chocolate milk. But we'll figure it out.
2: Yeah, chocolate. Yeah, Mike and I don't drink ever oh, since right
1: on, chocolate milk and beers for the rest of them. Ever ever Hell since yeah.
3: ever since the incident. The incident. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the incident was, but it, it happened somewhere. I don't know. That's what, how,
2: that's what we say, though. The incident. Yeah, people,
3: people ask a lot less questions, surprisingly, when you say there was an incident as to why you don't drink than if you just say, I don't drink. Because if you say, I don't yeah. drink, they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But if you tell them <laughs> something <laughs> happened and it was bad, then they stop we asking. We don't questions.
1: talk about that. We don't yeah. talk well, about that. When someone tells me they don't drink, I'm just like, oh, wow, well, you're a way responsible human being. Good for you. Yeah. I think that's,
3: that's that's stretching the truth as well, but that's okay. that's okay.
2: They say to Mike as he's on his sixth chicken breast of the day, you're so responsible. Oh, yeah. As he's throwing his peas in the trash.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, must be talking about a light day, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap it up right around now. So I, I, I do appreciate you joining us today. Um, is there anybody we want to shout out? Any partners, you know, anybody else that you want to shout out before we get going?
1: Yeah, definitely. So Coil Rad is obviously the biggest one. We have the RS Future Coil Rad SX. They've been a huge partner, massive help, big contributor for years. Uh, Riley Stare of RS Motorsport. He just basically nearly killed himself for two months to get the car ready for finals. And uh, Christian Wong of Battlecraft, who is our tuner, race mechanic car chief and all that fun stuff. He does an amazing job, so I can't thank him enough. And we've got plenty of other partners like Garrett, Vibrant, uh, Ghostworks, plenty of them that escape me at the moment. But anyone that's helped with the program, we have some fantastic support that without all of those people, none of this would be possible. So thank you to all of them. Awesome. And then where can, where can people find you? What are your socials? Uh, so my personal is rsfuture underscore Amir. And then the shop is rsfuture. And between those two, you'll find pretty much anything you're looking for. We've tried to be very open. We have a YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash at RS Feature, I think. And we've tried to share as much as we can. Uh, I've tried to be pretty open book about the project, so that that way, you know, I think you guys mentioned it in the last podcast, where you can give people the tools. What they do with them is up to them. And I've tried to be the same. Where it's like show all the competitors and anyone that's excited about this sport, kind of what we're doing. Hopefully, get people that are sitting in their garage dreaming about building a crazy car excited. Cause I was that person not too long ago and trying to share all that fun stuff.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And we, we always like to, you know, just get the information out there, especially cause there's so much bad information you got to try to combat it somehow. <laughs> you know,
1: you, you guys I, do an excellent job with that. Even with your forum, I lurk a lot. I don't post very much, but it's cool to see how open everyone is with the information and helping each other get faster. And I think all it does is, you know, like, as uh, you guys come to Buttonwillow and probably do very well, same with Ferris, all it does is just push the sport to bigger and better things. And all of us kind of raise each other up to the point where we're building some pretty insane machinery. My goal is comparable with like DPI time. So I'm hoping you, Ferris, and myself push all of us to that point where no matter whether you're pro racing or not, you'd be like, these cars are pretty serious.
0: Yep, that's that. That
3: that be the goal. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So (laughs) we'll see see out there in a a couple weeks. And uh, it was great talking to you. We appreciate you joining us. And everybody else, get out there, you know, check out RS Future. And if there's any questions, we'll put um, Amir's contact info and everything uh, on the whatever description and we'll figure it out from there.
1: Cool. Thanks, dudes. Sweet. Have
3: a good one. Thank you.
2: It's that time again, boys.
3: I need those goddamn reviews. You can say that Devin is forcing you to do them, or you can leave some genuine feedback, and I'll be sure to read them and get them back to the boys. In the meantime, you can join our Facebook group, which is Professional Awesome Technical Forum. You can follow us on Instagram at Professional Awesome Racing, and we have a Facebook regular page with the same name. But until then, we'll talk to you later, and we really appreciate you listening.